I feel like we both got like a couple screws just, you know what I'm saying? I might have a little bit more on the floor than he do, but we could relate. You know, that's my guy. He he He's a great dude, great coach. Um, he understands me. You know, he don't. You know, he not the type to judge you. He gonna, he gonna talk to you as human to human, young person to younger person, you know. I ain't gonna. So, yeah, Gruden, I, I, really, I really love Gruden, for real. And he know how we rock. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. That was um, the one and only, and I'm going to say it now because he's er- already earned the distinction of being the one and only David Arnett. Uh, I've been doing this a long time. Um, <laughs> Raiders cornerback David Arnett pulled up uh, to the media room today here at the practice facility in Henderson and just lit it up. Uh, he was real. He was honest. He was funny. Um, he was engaging. He was 100%, kept it 100%. That's who Damon Arnett is. Um, and it was really fun to talk to him today. You know, I, I go back to last year and, you know, COVID-19 and, and the distance that uh, it created between everybody, you know. So you really didn't get a chance other than Zoom, and Zoom sucks, to be honest with you. Uh, it didn't give you a chance to really get to uh, meet people and, and look them straight in the eye and ask them questions and have engaging conversations. It just wasn't that kind of a party last year. It's back to being that this year in some ways it'll get better and better, hopefully, where we can start getting in the locker room and start you know, forging relationships and, and, and whatnot. But uh, to, to, to really, for the first time since Damon Arnett has been here in Las Vegas, to get him – uh, in the way we got him today was really cool. And, um, you know, I mentioned it to him and, you know, uh, he took it from there in terms of he's bigger this year. It's just flat out he's bigger th- uh, this year. Um, uh, looks more physical, looks more, uh, he looks stronger. Um, and I go back, to, and I, this is why I asked Damon this year, like uh, today, listen, when you're, when you have the injury that he had, which was a hand injury that required surgery, that eventually required surgery, you can't lift weights um, with with that kind of an injury. You just can't. You have to figure out a different way to try to maintain your strength, but there's no way adequately that is going to do the trick if you can't do what you normally do uh, in, in the weight room. And I tell this to people all the time. When I saw Damon Arnett, that first time at the uh, in the indoor facility here at Henderson, when he came off of injury reserve after the surgery, after the rehab uh, from the surgery, all of that, I remember standing on the sidelines looking at Damon Arnett as the Raiders were going through their stretch in their early period, and he looked like he was down to 160 or so. He looked borderline frail. He wasn't the same dude that I remember seeing, especially in training camp. Well, that's completely different now. And if you go back to last year, when he did come back, and he was on the frail side, uh, in t- relatively speaking, you know what I'm talking about, um, it, 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 it caused problems because, as like you said, the mind wanted to do things on the field, but he wasn't physically capable of doing it and led to some injuries. Uh, I want to say thanks again to Kelsey Plum and – Jackie uh, Young for joining us today in the huddle, uh, the great uh, players from the Las Vegas Aces and now Olympic gold medalist. 
Uh, really appreciate that. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Damon Arnett and what he could potentially mean uh, to this Raiders team and how big a year he faces in his second year with the Raiders during the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. Good Raider Nation. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Thursday. We are roughly 48 hours away from the Raiders taking the field at Allegiant Stadium for the first time in front of their fans. The Seattle Seahawks are in town to, uh, on Saturday to play the uh, Raiders. Cannot wait uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Want to check out um, some of these young players. I think we're going to get a lot of looks at... Uh, a little bit of look at Alex Leatherwood, a little bit of look at uh, Andre uh, James, uh, the new right tackle, the new center. Uh, I think they're going to get some snaps uh, for sure uh, on Saturday night against uh, the Seahawks. I want to see some of these young uh, defensive players, guys like Tanner Muse, guys like um, Tyree Gillespie, guys like Trayvon Morig, um, guys like Javin White, I think is going to get uh, plenty of run. Guys like Nate Hobbs. By the way, Nate Hobbs. Uh, been watching him a lot in practice, and I'd be surprised if he didn't have a good, solid uh, rookie season as a contributing uh, player. Uh, this guy is put together a little bit better than I thought uh, when I looked at him in college. Uh, he looks like he's been hitting the weight room. Um, he is where he needs to be. He has a presence about him. Uh, playing in the slot, uh, at slot cornerback, there's a lot of run support. Uh, that uh, happens at that position. It kind of hurt the Raiders these last couple of years. They just didn't have that kind of a physical presence. Uh, no disrespect to LaMarcus Joyner, who, oh, by the way, uh, comes out, what was it, yesterday, talking about how he didn't want to play in the slot. Um, but I kind of remember, I have to go back and check the quotes. When he when he got to uh, the, the Raiders, he was talking about how the Rams, I think, had put him uh, at free safety or in the post, and all of a sudden, no, that's I'm, 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 I need to be in the slot. Didn't he say that? I want to. I, I got to go look at the quote. So he's kind of talking out of both sides of his mouth at this point. Apparently, I got to confirm that. Uh, doing a little bit of research, but it sounded a little weird, uh, or it sounded like um that wasn't what I don't think that that was what I remember hearing when he first joined the Raiders and was seemed like he was excited about playing the slot. In any regard. Um, Watching Nate, Holmes, Nate Hobbs in practice these last couple of weeks, and especially recently as things are starting to settle down for the young defensive back from Illinois, um, I, I, I got a feeling like uh, he's in line to have a, a good, solid rookie year. Uh, can't wait to see what that looks like uh, out on uh, the field. But talking specifically today about Damon Arnett, uh, who came uh, – to talk to us, uh, the media, when I say us, the media, uh, after practice today at the practice facility here in Henderson. By the way, really spirited practice. 
Um, you know, the, the players had gotten the practice off yesterday, as John Gruden and uh, players that we talked to yesterday were, were quick to point out. It wasn't a day off. It wasn't like they got the full day off. It's training camp. So there was still a lot of, uh, you know, work in the classroom. There was still a lot of weight room work. There was still a lot of um, rehabilitation going on. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about uh, getting hydrated, uh, making sure the body was right, getting the legs right, all of that. It was not an off day. And as Alec Ingold told us yesterday, look, um, yeah, day off from practice, but not a day to be wasted in terms of getting better. Uh, and regardless, though, that break, I think, that the Raiders got not having to practice yesterday looked like it had the desired effect today. Uh, they were flying around the field. It was very spirited. I know earlier um, listening in on Unnecessary Roughness with our guy Q Myers, uh, there was a question. Somebody asked a question of whether you know the, the offense got the better of the defense today. Uh, if you remember correctly, uh, Derek Carr talked yesterday about how he was anxious to get on the field yesterday to kind of redeem the offense from the day before when the defense – decidedly won the day uh, with, I think it was four, uh, three interceptions, maybe four interceptions, a couple of fumbles. Um, so Derek Carr and the offensive players wanted to get on the field yesterday to kind of give it right back to the defense. They didn't get that chance. It carried over to today. And I got to say the offense looked uh, much better than it did the day before. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the defense didn't look good. I got the, the defense – I don't know what it's going to look like when real games start. I can't call that yet. I'm not ready to call that yet. None of us are. You have to see it on the field. But all I can go on is what I'm seeing on the practice field. And this defense looks much more connected. I think the chemistry feels better. The depth looks stronger. It looks like a deeper football team on that side of the ball. You feel a veteran presence. Even Damon Arnett today talked about who'd they have really last year as that veteran guy that could get it together. Well, now they've got Unique Ngagwe. Now they've got Casey Hayward. Now they've got Rasil Douglas, who I think uh, people are kind of overlooking a little bit. Now they've got um, McCoy, Gerald McCoy, who the Raiders just signed. They've got Carl Joseph back for a second tour of duty uh, with the Raiders. I don't know what he's going to do necessarily on the field. I think he's going to get plenty of, you know, run. He'll get run. But the value in a Carl Joseph, the value in a Casey Hayward, the value in a Rasul Douglas, uh, the value of a Gerald McCoy and a Yannick Ngakwe and a Quinton Jefferson, it's, it's, you can't quantify that, especially on a young team. And... Make no mistake, there's some good young football players on this Raiders roster. On defense, in addition to offense, they just weren't ready offensively. Look, you look at that de- offense last year. They scored the 10th most points in the NFL. We've talked about it a lot. A lot of young players on that offense last year, right? But what they had that the defense didn't necessarily have on offense was they had veteran stewardship leadership. Obviously, Derek Carr going into, I think it was his seventh year last year, third year with John Gruden and Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, true command of that offense. They had veteran offensive linemen. Uh, They had a veteran in Nelson Aguilar, right? And so there was veteran leadership that was able to help navigate some of the weirdness that happened last year uh, with COVID-19 that just completely threw things 
uh, on the top of, the, uh, of of its head. You know what I'm saying? Like the season last year, going all the way back to last spring, just was unlike any season in the NFL in history, in the history of the NFL. All right. Uh, so you needed to, to in, in order to manage that and mitigate the effect of that, the negative effect of that. It sure helped to have veteran leadership and veteran players, right? And that's what the Raiders offense had last year, and that was able to keep it together. And that's why one of the reasons why they scored as many points uh, as they did. They weren't a perfect offense by any means. You know, they still need to score more touchdowns. They didn't. They didn't. They weren't as efficient scoring touchdowns as they could have been or should have been. They'll get that straightened out, you think, or it's definitely a point of emphasis. But they had a veteran foundation on offense. You can't can't really say that about the defense, which was filled with a bunch of young, promising players that, you know, just weren't ready. They weren't ready to be a quality unit together between their youth, between some new faces that were on the team, between the lack of foundation that uh, that, that, that they couldn't create the year before, I mean, uh, the, the spring before, Guys were moving into town from Oakland. Guys were settling in their new homes in Las Vegas. Uh, it was There were a lot of challenges, and there wasn't enough veteran leadership, true veteran leadership on that defense to kind of steer it in the right direction, much like Derek Carr uh, and some of the veteran players on offense did for that side of the ball. But all of that is done, finished. It's behind the Raiders. And you come into this season – and not only do you have a Gus Bradley and a Ron Miles and a Richard Smith and Rod Marinelli, the veteran uh, defensive line coach, but you have Casey Hayward and Rasul Douglas and Quinton Jefferson and Unique Ngakwe and Gerald McCoy, um, Carl Joseph. You have those that, that veteran presence that was missing big time last year. And then you have these young players I think Trayvon Mullen is a steady Trayvon Mullen is a, is a steady as you go type of a player who has a chance I think to take a big step forward from good solid steady to really good uh, and and really maybe open some eyes uh, as one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL we'll see if that comes to fruition but then you've got David Arnett who uh, got to give a lot of credit to because he came into the press box to the uh, press room today here in Henderson. And really just lit it up, and it was pretty cool uh, to see and to hear. And this is a guy that went through a lot last year, uh, way more than people – I think they knew. I think, you know, I, you, you, you can't not notice early in the year the big, you know, cast that he was playing with on one hand. You can't not notice if you were paying any kind of attention to the pain that he was playing. And there were so many times, and I saw it a lot because – I'm in a stadium, so I'm watching, and, and uh, I could see him going back to the sidelines sometimes to shake it off, like literally shake it off, uh, the, the pain in the hand because he was trying to play through a broken hand, some sort of a broken bone uh, in his hand. Try doing that, playing cornerback in the NFL uh, when you have to, at some point, if you're going to tackle somebody, grab, use the hand uh, to wrap up uh, and the arms to wrap up. He was in a lot of pain, and it showed. Then, you know, it kind of comes to a head in New England in week three, and he just it was it was too much, uh, and and what he ended up having to do was was get surgery, and that cost him a good eight nine weeks or so. It not only cost him 
in terms of his development on the field, because remember, he was a starter before the injury, but it cost him in terms of conditioning, in terms of keeping his body right. He just didn't have an opportunity to do what you need to do at this level to to stay as strong as you need to be to be a physical NFL player and stand up to the physicality of what really is a brutal sport, brutally physical sport. It's a sport for big, tough, physical people, human beings. And so when he came back, his body wasn't right, not even close to being right. Not in terms of, you know, the physicality and the strength. It was obvious just looking at him. But he still went out there and still tried to play, and it cost him. I did. I asked him today, um, you know, in terms of being physical, and he's like, I'm always going to be physical. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to not play physical. That's my nature. That's how I play football. But it's one thing to want to do it in your head and then get a body that's not right to do its part. So in his head, he's like, I'm bum-rushing this dude like I normally do, and I'm going to bring the wood, and I'm going to bring it as physical, as fast, as dominating as I possibly can because that's what I do. That's what I'm trained to do. That's my nature uh, to play physical football. But do that with a body that's weighing – you know, he said that I think that his top weight last year was 175. I got to go look back and listen. It was in the 170s. There's no way – when he came back off that injury last year, he was weighing 170 some odd pounds. There's just no way. It was startling to me, you know, how small he looked compared to what he looked like before the injury, before the surgery. And I just remember going, man, that's <laughs> all right. This is going to be interesting. And sure enough, he's throwing his body around like he normally does. Uh, and that's when the concussions happen. You know, he just wasn't ready to be a physical force the way he wants to play football. No matter how much the head wanted to do it, the head told the body to do it, the body was like, but I'm not ready to do that. And the NFL, football, you can't, you know, you have to make the best of certain situations. And so he wasn't not going to play. And the Raiders definitely needed him out there. But, you know, there's one thing between wanting to do it and being able to do it. And it just didn't work out. And, you know, much to the criticism on him. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, he's a bust. Uh, oh, he's not what the Raiders thought he was going to be. And, you know, meanwhile, he's got to sit there and swallow that and take it and hear it and just, you know, uh, and, but what can you do? You know, uh, after, you know, the season's over, all you got to do is sit there and listen to it and hear it all the time. Uh, but while everyone on the outside was talking and talking you-know-what and, uh, you know, hurtling insults and questioning his ability and calling the Raiders out for, for drafting him uh, where they did, 19th overall last year. Guess what? He was in the weight room, working on his game, working on his body, and as we talked about today, uh, I'm going to throw it out to our producer uh, to see if we can write this sound, but... Um, I asked, I asked uh, Damon uh, today about him being bigger. And uh, do we have that sound? Okay, if we could throw that in there, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, how This is Damon Arnett talking about his growth, physical growth, since last year. 
Oh, yeah, I was, uh, like, the most I weighed last year probably was, like, 175. Um, and with the with the, with the the cast, everything was just banded. Like, I ain't lift no dumb, uh, dumbbells, barbells, plates. Everything was just straight bands and body weight. So I couldn't, I couldn't back squat, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, so it was very limited um, on the things that I could do. That's Damon Arnett talking about, you know, being real about, um, and he's not going to tout it. He's not going to go out there and scream it so that everybody can hear it. I, I had to ask him about that. It's the first time I've really gotten a chance to talk to him uh, since last year about that, about that very thing. Because I saw it. I know I saw it. And I know astute fans understood it. Uh, he just wasn't physically ready to come back last year and do the things that you have to do to succeed at this level. I give him a lot of credit because in the face of a lot of criticism, in the face of the probability that because he was where he was physically, he wasn't going to be able to play the way he likes to play, the way he's most effective in a lot of different ways, whether that's you know coming up and being a tough, hard-nosed defensive back that uh, isn't afraid of contact and is ready to bring it, or just running with, with, with wide receivers, or you know, having the explosiveness and the strength to keep up uh, in that regard in, in, in pass coverage. He knew that he knew where he was physically, yet he still ran himself out there to give it a go. He didn't quit in spite of everything, in spite of knowing that, you know, this could be rough right here. And it was. I might get a lot of criticism because of this, and he did. But he didn't shy away from any of that. And I think that now seeing him back where he is physically, it'll be interesting to see what Damon Arnett uh, is able to give the Raiders this year. No doubt about it. Casey Hayward, the veteran that the Raiders signed from the Chargers, he followed Gus Bradley and he followed Ron Miles uh, from, the, from the Chargers here uh, to, to Las Vegas to play for the Raiders. And he's going to offer and does offer stability veteran leadership, capability, reliability. Um, Casey Hayward brings all of that to the table. And he's right now, the way it looks like on uh, the depth chart, the starting outside cornerback, which that's what Damon Arnett was last year. So Damon Arnett, as of right now, looks like he's going to be coming off the bench, but don't think for a second he's not going to play a lot. So in a lot of ways, Damon Arnett's got a nice little situation. The Raiders have a nice little situation because um, this is going to be a year where he's going to be able to be used in a way that really puts him on a track to success. You know, if he wins the starting job, if he, if eventually he's he shows the Raiders he's the better option than Casey Hayward, he's going to get that job. But if he can also just be a complement in that backfield, a reliable player in the rotation. We all know that there, you know, NFL teams play multiple defensive backs. You're not just going out there with four defensive backs. A lot of times you have two more cornerbacks. Sometimes you have three more cornerbacks, depending on what the, uh, what the um, alignment is, what the personnel grouping is. So Damon Arnett's going to get time, and he's going to be able to learn, and he's going to be able to, I think, play and perform and develop 
in a in, in an environment that's not as um, intense. Like like the the last year he was the starter, and you got to deliver right now or else. I think this year there's a little bit less pressure uh, in that regard, and I think that he's going to be able to be utilized correctly and utilized in a way that's not going to expose him. Uh, and utilize him in a way that I think, again, puts him on the right track, a better track uh, to success. And if that's the case, if he gets to where the Raiders think he's capable of getting, I think they've got themselves a really good future NFL cornerback. I really do. I think he's got all the tools that you need to succeed at this level, not just succeed, but be a uh, a player that people know is pretty darn good. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Well, it's been reported we had a day off. There was no day off. You know, we have linebacker coaches, running back coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. We have strength and conditioning coaches. So we turned it up yesterday in the strength and conditioning room. You know, we have some guys that are low on gas. And, um, you know, we needed to do some things uh, to get their legs back, hydrate them properly. Um, Even coaches are getting IVs. Um, some of you guys look like you could use an IV personally. <laughs> it's hot, man. So, uh, you know, hydration is, is uh, a big part of it. And our conditioning, we had a great practice today, a lot of energy. I liked it. We took the coaches off the field. And, you know, sometimes um, changing the schedule is, is good for us. Interact. Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. That was Raiders head coach John Gruden uh, today from the practice facility uh, here in Henderson, which is exactly where I am uh, today, talking about how yesterday wasn't really a day off. Um, you know, they, they definitely put a full day of work in here um, at the facility but they just didn't get out on the field. Why? Why was that? Well, um, as John kind of alluded to, guys, I mean, we're in the desert here uh, in Las Vegas. And uh, I know you talk about it. I know you hear about it. Uh, but you have to kind of experience it to really understand it. Um, by no means are we working as hard as players. Not even close. Uh, it's not even – it's two different worlds from what I do uh, to what the players do. But you feel it even in – what we're doing as you know, reporters here every day, even at seven thirty in the morning, um, you know, you're trying to do your job and and you know get video and observe and watch practice and 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 it's two hours out there, but eventually you got to go find some shade somewhere or sit down or grab some water and just hydrate because it's intense heat even at seven thirty in the morning. So you can only imagine what it's like for the players. And I remember, you know, or yesterday I talked to, to Derek Carr about it. And he's like, man, you know, there are times come that second and third period where you kind of got to talk yourself into it a little bit to push on through. It's that kind of a mental challenge. Now, people will tell you, well, it's the same thing in different but same in Miami where, you know, you've got unbelievable humidity or, you know, Baltimore, Maryland or – uh, New Orleans, I think I think New Orleans, typically they used to go to uh, Wisconsin to practice to get out of that kind of just oppressive humidity. So it's a mental challenge wherever you are, but there's something about this kind of heat uh, at this time of year here in Las Vegas that is a challenge. And John Gruden and his staff, 
uh, the trainers included, the medical staff included, it's something that you have to keep an eye on. I try not to take it personal when he said uh, maybe some of us needed some IVs, but there are times where I'm like, yeah, man, sign me up for that because this heat will knock you down a little bit and it'll knock you down a couple of notches a little bit and you got to work your way through it, even just doing what we're doing. So I can only imagine what the how the players feel. So John Gruden understanding, I can't just push these guys to the limit every single day. I have to keep an eye out on it. I have to monitor it. I have to listen to the doctors and listen to the trainers and more importantly, listen to the players or just as importantly, listen to the players and let that be sort of the guiding light uh, sometimes in terms of the decisions that you make on how far to push human beings in this kind of heat and what John Gruden was talking about today was, hey, you know, uh, guys were dragging a little bit. There was uh, a lack of gas in the tank on some guys. There were some injuries, some, you know, and you don't want to push it too much. So, hey, uh, let's give the guys a day off from practice today, which was yesterday. Uh, let them get recovered. Let them get hydrated. Let them get their legs back. Let them fill up on the gas tank. And, you know, a lot of times – it's just as much emotionally as it is physically. I could tell you, talking to some of the guys, uh, they were super happy not to have to practice yesterday, not because they're trying to dog it out, not because they don't want to work hard. They've been working hard. That's the whole point. They've been going at it 100 miles uh, a minute wanting to get better this year and overcoming the heat, overcoming starting practice at 7.30 in the morning, overcoming having to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning to to be ready mentally and physically to do what you have to do to get better as a professional football team at that hour in the morning. It's a grind. It's a grind, mental and physically. And good on John Gruden to be aware of that enough to say, you know, you push too hard, it's going to be diminished returns. And there's no need to, to knock your team out on August 11th or so, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you got to be way more aware than that. It does bring up the question moving forward. Uh, is this where the Raiders are going to be for training camp long term? Remember the only reason that they are here, you go back to last year, there was really no other choice. You know, there wasn't teams couldn't go elsewhere for training camp. And that's what teams sometimes do. The Dallas Cowboys for years, including now, retreated from that oppressive Texas heat, Dallas heat, to go to Southern California. For years, they were in Thousand Oaks, which is in Ventura County, about 30 miles or so uh, outside of of Los Angeles. Uh, Most recently, they've been in Oxnard, uh, which is about another 40, 30 miles away from LA, so about 60 miles away from Los Angeles. Uh, Cooler climate over by the beach near where I grew up. Ironically enough, the Raiders were the first NFL team uh, to uncover the beautiful gold that is Oxnard, California and Ventura, California. They came when they were the Los Angeles Raiders. They practiced in Oxnard, exactly where the Cowboys practice right now, uh, over at that Marriott River Ridge uh, Hotel um, by the golf course. Beautiful breeze most of the time. It's, it's nice and cool. It's conducive to working. So even the Cowboys back in the day, and now, not even back in the day, all the way back in the day till this very day, understood 
uh, yeah, that heat is a little bit too much in Texas for getting the kind of work in that you need to get prepared for a season. They've known that since way back, which is why Southern California has been their home, their training camp home for so many years, save for a few years here and there. So when you start talking about the Raiders, who typically practiced, whether it was in Oxnard while they were the L.A. Raiders, and then when they moved back up to Oakland, uh, there were a couple places, but, but of, of late, it's been Napa Valley, which, you know, can definitely get hot as well, but it ain't Las Vegas hot. But because they, you know, teams weren't allowed to go where they normally went for training camp, the Rams go to UC Irvine. Uh, up in Orange County or down in Orange County, they are their their facility is in Thousand Oaks, which is where, like I was just talking about with the Cowboys, where they practiced during training camp many years ago. So the Rams would go to Irvine, the, the Saints would go to Wisconsin, the Chiefs have gone to Wisconsin in the past. Um, you know, so teams move around in training camp uh, to to escape or to mitigate some of the oppressive areas that they that they are are you know play in which is just not conducive to a healthy, um, meaningful, beneficial training camp. You go to find someplace else that's a little bit cooler, uh, which always makes for a better work environment. Well, that's the Raiders. You know, I think the plan was to be back in Napa. Uh, There was always talk about maybe moving it up to Reno uh, in the northern part of of Nevada. But the point is COVID-19 said, nah, whatever plans you have, Sorry, it's not happening. So you got to figure out a way to make it work in Henderson. And that's what the Raiders have done these last couple of years. And, of course, uh, as we saw yesterday, it's made for some scheduling decisions and being flexible from the coaching end of it to work your way around the what can sometimes be literally oppressive heat. I think Malcolm Kuntz, the rookie from Buffalo, we talked to him about the heat and he's getting used to it, and I totally uh, understand where he's coming from. But he's like, you know, when you go to your car at the end of the day, it's tough opening that car and getting into that car here in Las Vegas. Like, it's a oven when you open up the car door and sit down, and you're like, holy cow. That's like it. your car is baking. So anyway, uh, long story short, I, I do wonder if at some point, when things settle down and we get cleared from COVID-19 and the pandemic uh, and things start opening up and staying open and, um, you know, we get a, we get a, we get a handle on uh, everything that's going on with this, if the Raiders would contemplate whether it's going back up uh, to Napa, whether it's finding a place in Southern California uh, to train and think about it from a marketing standpoint, you know, not a bad deal to take your show on the road and whether it's, you know, maintaining those ties up in the Bay Area in Napa or tapping into uh, your what, rich history and connections in Southern California where Raider Nation runs uh, rabid. There's just so many Raider fans there. Uh, it, it, it's beneficial in that way. But in addition to that, it's also beneficial because the work environment is just a little bit better. So it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll see. Uh, some news. Marcus Mariota wasn't at practice today. Um, looks like he tweaked a leg, making a touchdown run on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium when the Raiders practiced out there. Um, 
So wasn't able to get to practice today. Uh, it was the cause of, you know, kind of a shaky practice that he had on Tuesday through a couple of interceptions. John Gruden alluded to that, uh, that the leg, the sore leg, uh, played a role in, in how he performed on Tuesday. They held him out of practice today, Thursday. There's no practice tomorrow ahead of the preseason game on Saturday. It leaves Marcus Mariota's status for Saturday very, very doubtful. I'd be surprised if you saw him play. Why would you do that? You know, sore leg, you don't want that to become, you don't want a sore leg to become a, you know, bad off leg that's going to cost him weeks instead of days. Just play it safe. Uh, let him get through, uh, you know, this process of getting better and, and knocking the sore out. Um, and so probably won't see Marcus Mariota. I'd be shocked on Saturday. Probably not going to see much, if anything, of Derek Carr. So that leaves Nathan Peterman. It's going to be the Nathan Peterman show, perhaps. Uh, on Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks, but whoever's out there, um, get a chance to see Alex Leatherwood, the the young rookie right tackle, Andre James, the young center, uh, who's replacing Rodney Hudson, a whole bunch, a slew of young uh, defensive players. We'll see if Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, who are having strong camps, play on on offense. Uh, But whoever's out there, there's some jobs to be secured here, Uh, not necessarily starting-wise, uh, but definitely roster-wise, and I think you're going to see some some guys getting after it on Saturday uh, to try to make their mark. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajara. Yeah, I mean, there's reports out there that I'm, you know, I don't listen to that stuff. I sarcastically say that just to, you know, make some of my adversaries happy. Uh, I'm not an idiot, if you know what I mean. We practice in the Mojave Desert here. Desert, uh, The desert here is... We're practicing at 7 in the morning, so we do gather all kinds of information. We have some of the best trainers and and doctors and people here that you could imagine. So we're going to be real careful and smart, and you're darn right we listen to that stuff. And uh, our players like it and appreciate it, and um, we'll continue to do that. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. That was Raiders head coach John Gruden reminding everybody, rightfully so, by the way. He's not an idiot. Of course he listens to analytics and pays attention to the GPS monitoring and measurements and readings. You know, I don't know, somewhere along the line, John Gruden got this, um, a scouting report on John Gruden as, you know, not paying attention to common sense or not being common sense. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, you know, I'm just going to let you know that in my dealings uh, with him, he's shrewd. He's on top of things. Uh, he knows what's going on. As he said, I'm not an idiot. I mean, why would he think he's an idiot? He's, what, in his mid-50s or so? I mean, he's not sleeping under a rock. He he keeps up on things. He's as ahead of the curve on offense as any coach of his generation. The guy with a bad offensive line that barely got a chance to play. I mean, the Raiders' offensive line last year got five total snaps together. The projected starting offensive line got five total uh, snaps together. They were, I think, 17th in the NFL in pass block, blocking efficiency, they were like 23rd overall. In run blocking efficiency, those are, eh, numbers. He didn't have, there wasn't a, a number one go-to wide receiver. The offense runs through a tight end. 
the running game wasn't as efficient last year as last year as it was the year before because what was going on on the offensive line. You had multiple players playing multiple positions. Sam Young got you know way too many starts at right tackle compared to Trent Brown, who was supposed to be there. And yet this offense scored the tenth most points in the NFL. You want to know why that is? Because your head coach is a damn good play caller, a crafty play caller, a smart play caller. John Gruden is as good as it gets in that regard, regardless of what Raider Nation wants to think. Sorry to break it to you. Your coach is pretty damn good in terms of offensive creativity. You don't think that he's not staying on top of things? It goes back to what I said to start the show. You know, this whole notion that, oh, John Gruden doesn't like young players. Did you see how many young players the Raiders played last year and have under his coaching the last few years? Oh, John Gruden's going to get a go get a veteran quarterback. That's See you later, Derek Carr. Four years later, four drafts, four free agency periods. Derek Carr is still here. Derek Carr has played some of his best football of his career. I think he had his best season of his career last year. And I think the needle's pointing up on Derek Carr. I think there's better football to come. And I give Derek Carr all the credit in the world for you know getting himself to this point. But John Gruden has had a hand in that, and Derek Carr will be the first person to tell you that. They go hand in hand. So, yeah, um, he, he, he pays attention to the analytics. He pays attention uh, to trends. He pays attention uh, to, to, you know, new thinking. He was ahead of the curve when he was in Tampa Bay. Go ask his players. Go ask his players uh, before that with the Raiders. They always got managed. Veteran players always had a say in things. Veteran players got strategic days off. Go ask his players about all that. He understood he's not a Neanderthal. He's not like running guys into the ground. He's not bare stinking Bryant, you know, with three a days and fully pads and all that. He knows what the score is. He knows how to deal with all this stuff. And now he's being thrown a very interesting challenge here in Las Vegas, having to deal with crazy heat and the kind of heat where you can't practice at the same time teams normally practice. You just can't. So, um, yeah, John Gruden knows what he's doing. He's the least of the Raiders' problems. And I think the Raiders are actually eliminating many of the problems that they've been dealing with these last three years. I think they keep getting better, and uh, I think Raider fans are going to see that. I think the football world's going to see that. I think it's going to be a pretty good uh, football team here in Las Vegas. By the way, just to remind you guys, uh, tomorrow – We'll be doing the show live uh, from the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside the Treasure Island uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. I cannot wait. Uh, if you haven't been there, and there's no excuse now, tomorrow we're going to be there. We want Raider Nation to roll strong and roll out uh, to, the cir- to the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar uh, inside the Treasure Island. Uh, if you haven't been there, you got to check it out. They've got free parking Uh, There's a 60-foot video wall, uh, unbelievable video wall. you got to see this to believe it. They'll be serving great drink specials, and you know me, I'm all about that. Uh, $18 domestic beer pitchers, yes, sign me up. $10 cocktails, $8 draft beer, 
Those are good prices, uh, and we'll be out there tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, I'm putting out the personal invitation right here, right now, uh, for you to join me tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. at the Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside the Treasure Island. We're obviously going to be talking about football. We're obviously going to be talking about uh, game one of the preseason tomorrow. A lot of people have asked, okay, well, you know, how are the Raiders going to handle this with playing time? Uh, does the second preseason game become like the third preseason game with the dress rehearsal? I think the third preseason game is, stays right where it is. And it falls on the calendar exactly where it always has. So I think that third preseason game is going to be the dress rehearsal where you see the, you know, if, if you're going to press your starters a little bit more, that's the game that they'll do it. I'm not saying that that's for sure. That's up to John Gruden, obviously, and we're going to be asking about it as the days lead up to it. But you got to figure with two weeks between that third preseason game and the season opener, and you got to figure that that's going to be an opportunity for John Gruden to say, hey, let's play the starters, you know, maybe into the third quarter, uh, and then get them on some sort of a track, create some sort of a rhythm, uh, get them used to playing with each other uh, in game-like conditions because it's going to be a long time before that first game against the Baltimore Ravens turns around two weeks later. So it stands to reason that if you're John Gruden, that's what you're going to do. Remember, the NFL added a 17th game, but what they did was they took away the fourth preseason game. So that it was a trade-off. Take away the four preseason games, make it three, add a 17th game, uh, to the schedule. That was the trade-off. But instead of moving things back, moving things forward, they kept things as is. And simply, the third preseason game uh, falls where it always does. Second preseason game, first preseason game. The regular season starts on schedule. You're just going to now have a two-week break uh, leading up to it. And then they added a 17th game at the very end of the season. And then everything moves forward from that point. The playoffs start a week later than it normally would. The Super Bowl happens a week later uh, than it normally would. So you get the picture. Uh, hope to see you guys tomorrow at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar uh, over at the Treasure Island. We will be there from 4 to 6. want to say thank you, thank you, thank you uh, to Kelsey Plum um, for joining us in uh, the huddle. Um, and Jackie Young, uh, her teammate with the Las Vegas Aces. They were the gold medalists in the three times three, three X three. Uh, Olympic uh, competition out in Tokyo. Super proud of them. Thanks so much for joining us in the huddle. Uh, thank you to the listeners. Uh, truly appreciate it. You're why we do this. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m., day off for the Raiders, but not for us. We'll see you guys at the Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at the Treasure Island tomorrow, 4 to 6, in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.